everybody. I'm Bob Schneider. Welcome to the Song Club. All right, here we are. It's Song Club number 61. It's good to be here, as always, in the always perfectly temperature-controlled Bob Schneider Song Club. I guess there are other song clubs. Or maybe they're not. Who knows? I don't know. But this one, for sure, is perfectly temperature-controlled. Let me make some mic sounds as I get the mic into the perfect position. It's April 2022-ish. I mean, it depends. You might be listening to this in the future. I think most people, if I really had my, you know, obviously I'm a dreamer, as many of you guys know. And I'm assuming that at some point in history, much like Andy Warhol, like there was a time when Andy Warhol was making his soup cans and people were like, what is this bullshit? The critics were like, this is not art. This is a silkscreen of some Campbell's soup can label. I could do that. And now, of course... Try to get your hands on one of those soup can labels. Guess how much you're going to pay for that? $47 million. But at the time, you could buy them for 100 bucks because everybody was like, well, that's too much money. 100 bucks is too much money. And I feel like that's the way it is with your boy Bishnai. With Bishnai, there's a few people that know what's up. That's you guys. But one day, they'll, you know, there'll come a time, maybe, I don't know, who knows. Or maybe I'm just insane. I don't know. I do know it's nice to be here. I'm glad you guys are here. I'm glad you're on my Patreon, if you are indeed on my Patreon. If you are interested in getting the songs that you're hearing today in the song club um, and you're not you can just go to p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com backslash bob schneider and join today and then you'll be able to download all these songs and then play them on your samsung smartphone or your iphone or maybe you built a phone maybe you're one of those go get them type people that you're like, you know what? I know there's an iPhone that's all made and the smart Galaxy smartphone that's already done and maybe even the Pixel phone or whatever the fuck phones they have out there. But maybe you're like, I'm just going to build my own phone. I've got some wires. I've got some electrical know-how. Maybe we're one of those type of people, and maybe that's what you did. Maybe you got that just bespoke fucking phone. You pull that shit out with all its sharp edges on it, and its screws, and its soldering all showing, and you're like, oh, I made this shit, motherfucker. Check this out. And then you try to make a call, and it's like, mm, is it working? 
Well, we gotta iron out some of the kinks. Dude, how about we're at sea today on this? Just don't mind the don't mind that ocean. Let's go inside the cabin. Yeah, it's better in here. I was recently in Annapolis, Maryland, playing a show at the Ram's Head. And I walked around that town. If you're unfamiliar with it, it's where the Naval Academy is. And um, there's a lot of people walking around in their Naval Academy outfits. A lot of ladies um, walking around who were in the Navy. They were happy to be out. On a beautiful day, it was a Sunday. Maybe there's a Navy church they went to. Who knows? But they were out, and they were all smiling. Everyone I saw was smiling. They were all happy. It was like, ah, oh, to be young and have your whole life ahead of you and be full of that Naval Academy hope for the future. Also, not be in a war. Like not have to like leave the Naval Academy, get on an actual ship and then go be bombed by Nazis in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Because I just watched that Greyhound movie and Jesus Christ. That's not how I want to die. My ship's just been torpedoed and now I'm floating in the Atlantic Ocean. No thanks. I'll pick another method for my demise. Um, squeeze to death in a drill press at work? Mm, probably not a great option either. My favorite pick would be Widowmaker Heart Attack. If really I had my druthers, but unfortunately I have like the perfect heart, so that's probably not going to happen. Speaking of perfect hearts, maybe it's time to get into the song bag this week. As always, as I do every month, as I've been doing for 61 months now, which I think if you add it up, I'm not sure, but that's like 13 years. Um, every month I have a, uh, I basically release an album every month. Now it's a short album, it's eight songs, but an album nonetheless. Some would call it an EP. But if you look at Bruno Mars, he only puts out eight song albums. He's done pretty good. He's done okay. He's landed on his feet, as they say in the biz. So let's look at the songs. There's a bunch of stuff this week. And when I say this week, I mean, of course, this month. So let's look at the first one. It's called My Favorite Thing. I'll just play it and then... Uh, and then... We'll talk about it, and I'll answer any questions that I imagine you might be having. Here it is, my favorite thing. Oh, already we're just cranking it. I like the birds, the birds when they sing. I love the music they make and the joy. Favorite, favorite, my favorite thing. 
Ferdinand shit right there, son. I love an idea that's just taken wind. A kindred sky on a fiery black swing. Damn, was that song written in 1998? It feels like it has a bit of a 1998 vibe to it. But it wasn't. It was written in the year 2022, baby. Just wrote it. And, um, yeah, it's part of the song club. Um, You might be asking, how does he make such amazing songs? How do they sound so good? Well, I use a couple secrets, and I'll tell you what they are in case you want to use them yourself. Um, I record everything in Logic, which you, it's called a DAW. I don't know what DAW stands for. Audio Workstation, maybe. Who knows what the D stands for? Dumb, dumbass workstation, maybe. Anyways, I use that logic. And then I use a couple sweet plugins. I use one uh, called Arcade. And I think the company's name is Output. And I'm going to pay them a monthly subscription fee. And they have all these, like, cool little samples and sounds and stuff that you can use. And I usually sprinkle... I've been using that for about a year or two. And I sprinkle that on top of my songs when I write them. And it makes them sound kind of cool and different. Like that thing in the song where it was like, ding, ding, ding. That was from Arcade. I use that. And then... um, for my drums, on most songs, I use a thing called Addictive Drums. Now, do I get paid by either company? I should. I mean, I should really should get paid. Those people should be like, hey, Bobby. Or at least just give me something for this amazingly free advertisements. But they don't. But one day, they still won't. But one day, they yeah, absolutely won't. Yeah, that's one of my tricks. I use some tricks, but mainly the main trick that I use is just the trick of having an incredible imagination. And uh, not allowing my the part of my brain that says, well, are you able to do this any, even anymore? Like, is this something you can still do? And the answer is probably not. Probably not. But does that stop me? No. It don't. It don't stop uh, the schned. Schned keep do. Schned keep do because that's what he do. Anyways, that's what I did on that last song. I just watched uh, the Tony Hawk documentary last night, which I got to say, pretty boring. 
I mean, if I was going to be real honest with myself, I'd say pretty damn boring. Now, is he one of the greatest of all times? Yeah, I think so. But I don't know. I watched it, you know, I watched the Michael Jordan one. That was the best. That's the cream of the crop of all those documentaries. Um, the Tom Brady one was interesting. There was a, there was something similar to Tom Brady and Tony Hawk in that both of them didn't necessarily, weren't born. I, I mean, I don't even know. If, I don't know if Michael J- uh, Michael Jordan was born like this great basketball player. But both Tom Brady and Tony Hawk, when they started, weren't that great. And nobody thought they were going to be great. But they thought they were going to be great. And they told themselves they could do it. The other guy that I know kind of is like this is John Travolta. Not the greatest actor in the world, but he had this idea that he that this was something he not only could do, but was really good at. And it allowed him to show up and do the work. And I have the same thing. I don't think I'm the greatest. I know I'm not the greatest musician of all time. I don't, I don't know how to play that a damn A minor sus seven chord. Now there's some people that can do that. All the guys that I play with in my band, they all know that information. They have all this technical info. Some people can like hear a note and go, oh, that's a, that's a C3. Whatever that is. I don't even, I, that's how little I know. I can't even like say what the note is, let alone identify it. Like somebody will hear this, bing, and they're like, what's that note? And they'll go, or like that. Oh, and they'll be like, oh, that's a B flat. That's a middle B flat. And then that's an A minor or whatever. So there are people like that. Anyway, I don't have any of that. I don't have some great understanding of harmony or any of it. But I do have this idea instilled in me from probably from my mom that I'm really good at this and somehow I'm really talented at it. And it allows me to continue even into my late 30s. And when I say late 30s, I mean the mud on the wheels has not only dried, but it's turned to ash. Um, it's allowed me to continue to, uh, you know, write, write and write and write and also perform in front of people and have this idea that I'm good at it, even though am I? I mean... What happens is you just do anything long enough, you start getting pretty good at it. I've gotten pretty good at playing music in front of people. I'm pretty good on stage. Now, as a songwriter, I don't know if I've gotten any better, but I've just been doing it for so long that if you do it long enough, it's like a blind squirrel. Eventually, you're going to collect some nuts. And I've gotten a few nuts in my satchel now. 
and I can dig out the best looking nuts and go, look at this nut. Check out these nuts. Check out these nuts. And people are like, oh, I like the look of these, of those nuts. And they're like, you got any more of those nuts? And I'll be like, hmm, I do. But then I'll do an interview with somebody and they're like, oh, this motherfucker's got 1,500 nuts. And then when people go, wait a minute, you got 1,500 nuts? Oh, this is probably some shitty nuts. And then I'll be like, well, yeah, I mean, some nuts are, not all nuts are created equal. But I do have quite a few good nuts. And then I've got a few not great nuts. Anyways, that last song, my favorite thing, not necessarily a, the greatest nut, but it's a it's a pretty good nut. Let's let's go on to the next song, and let me stop talking about nuts. I mean, it's a an amazing metaphor, but really, this is the song club. It's not Bob Schneider's Nut Club, even though if I called it B. Schnitty's Nut Club, I mean, just saying it makes me think, well, of course I should change it to Beach Nitty's Nut Club. Damn it. Why didn't I think of that 61 months ago? Sometimes ideas take a long time to come to fruition. They're like an olive tree. You know, you plant it at first and you're like, what is this? Is this something that needs the weed whacker's attention? And then you forget about it. And then you come out there a little later and you're like, oh, is this, what is this? Is this a weed? Is this some kind of weed that's taking root? And then you go out there a year later and you're like, oh, shit. This is some sort of invasive tree. And then you go out there like 150 years later and you're like, oh, shit. I've got some olives. Look at these olives. And you probably got a squirrel problem because them olive trees, them squirrels were like, mm, we like them olives, son. Next thing you know, you got like literally a thousand squirrels living in your backyard eating all the olives. Then you got just murder squirrels like a goddamn Liam Neeson movie. You're like, why are you covered in blood? to murder all these squirrels because they were eating all my olives. Anyways, let's do this next song. It's called 100 Cops. This is loosely based on, it's not loosely based, it's 100% based on that time when I was downtown Austin. I was on 6th Street. It was in the 90s. And I was hanging out as I was wont to do in those days, drinking some alcoholic beverages. And I look up on the TV and something's going on. All the TVs have this, some weird car chase where there's, there's uh, hundreds of cop cars or many, many cop cars and they seem to be following a car. They've got their lights on and 
look up and everybody's looking at the TV and it's OJ Simpson in a Ford Bronco um, being followed down the highway by all these cops. And it's the moment where you went, oh, shit. I th- he's guilty because he'd been he'd been arrested a day or two earlier, a couple days earlier before that. And you saw that on the news where it was like, O.J. Simpson's arrested in this murder investigation, this ex-wife or whatever. And you're like, well, that's a mistake, obviously. It's O.J. Simpson. He would never murder anybody. He's like one of my favorite, he's one of my favorite uh, sports heroes. I love the juice. Everybody loves the juice. But then when you saw that he was trying to flee... You just immediately knew, or I mean, I immediately knew. You just knew, like, oh, shit, well, that's, if he's trying to flee, that means he did it. I mean, if he didn't do it, why would he flee? And it was kind of like the Challenger crashing. Not crashing, exploding. Or like 9-11. It was a seminal event. I guess probably similar to Will Smith slapping Chris Rock was kind of a big deal this week or last week. Anyways, so did it take me 25 years to write a song about it? It did. Sometimes, again, like the olive tree, sometimes an idea takes a while for it to grow into a majestic fruit-bearing source of life for the the soon-to-be-murdered squirrels. So let's check it out. Here it is. It's called 100 Cops. And it goes a little something like this. One hundred cops One hundred cops In the rear Get myself here. Oh dear. This isn't who I was supposed to be. This isn't how the world was supposed to remember.
Yeah, there it is, 100 cops. And again, like I said earlier, I'm using that app called Arcade. So all of those sort of country-sounding guitars, weir, 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 steel guitar things, that's all from Arcade. So they have all kinds of sounds on there. A lot of it's EDM kind of sounding dance stuff, which I'm not that crazy about, but... I don't know, sometimes when you put that stuff in into the mix, it's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, that's 100 Cops. It's about OJ. I had to go put on some sunglasses. It's like, man, I better put on some damn sunglasses. And maybe I'm going to wear sunglasses for the rest of my life like Snoop Dogg. Like, you don't see a picture of Snoop Dogg without sunglasses. Sometimes he'll be in a movie and you'll see him without sunglasses and you're like, whoa. Because his eyes are, because he's old. He's older than I am. I mean, he's, when I say I'm in my late 30s, I mean, he's in his late, late 30s. And when I, I mean, when I say late 30s, I mean uh, all the drive-ins have been closed permanently. So, yeah, so, you know, if you want to look young forever, dye your hair so it's not gray. I learned that from Paul McCartney, Sir Paul McCartney, I guess we'll call him. I learned that from him. I also learned it from this lady, Carla Bonoff, who played at the Ramshead Sunday night, who I'd never really heard of. I did a matinee show there, and then she did the later show, and I I listened to her do her sound check, and I was like, wow, this woman's talented, and I read up a little bit about her. The first thing I read was that she was part of some songwriting group in 1969. And I was like, what? This lady looks like she's younger than I am. But she was not. But what she did have was she had perfectly brown hair, not even a single gray. And when you've got that look going for you on stage, people will just go, man, that person's young. And they're not young. I mean, unless, you know, you're like one of those people like, oh, forever young. Forever young. But wait, how are you? Dude, talking about forever young, that Tony Hawk documentary starts with him visiting his mom. And I'm like, how old could she be? Because he's, he's like three years younger than me, even though he looks much older than I am. And... uh and it's him visiting his mom, and it's like, damn, his mom's, like, not doing so good. But she's got to be, like, you know, my mom's 80, so I figured his mom's probably around that. But she turns out she's 96, son. And she looks 96. I mean, she ain't, she can't open her eyes. She can't move. She's in a wheelchair. I mean, come on. At a certain point, give me that. Give me the drugs. I'd be like, give me that morphine. It's time to go night night. But I don't know. You're 95. You're like, oh, I want to keep doing it. I'd be too afraid. I'd be too afraid to check out probably. Because you don't know what's on the other side of that death wall. I mean, it's there. It's always there. And there's a door. You can go through it. It's available. 
but you don't know what's on the other side. And you do know what's on this side. And this side's at least, you know, it's not great. It's not great when you're 96. On this side, 96, not looking so good. Wheelchair, can't open your eyes, having a hard time communicating. Who knows, you know, who knows what that experience is like. It'll be interesting. I'd like to make it that far, but I I definitely want to be mobile and want to be able to open my eyes. If I can't open my eyes, what the fuck? I mean, I want to know where the Dr. Pepper is. If I got to ask people like, whoa, where's the Dr. Pepper? And they'll be like, can't you look? It's right there. Yeah, but I can't open my eyes anymore. Well, open your eyes. I can't because I'm too old. Well, okay, here's your Dr. Pepper. Um, Let's listen to one more song. This is the last song from this month, and then we're going to go way, way back on, for the rest of these songs. For the rest of these songs, I went... Dude, I went back in time. We're going to do some time traveling, but let's listen to this one first. Uh, so, as I've said before, I have a, a song game that I've been doing since 2000 where I come up with a phrase and then write a song using that phrase. It used to be every couple days. Now it's once a week, which is manageable. Writing a song a week's pretty doable for most people if you're a songwriter, but not for everybody. For some of the folks in my song game, writing song week's too much for them. Why is that? I don't know. Probably because they have lives. Probably because they know how to enjoy life, unlike me. All right, so this the uh, the song prompt for this week was uh, that I wrote this song was Strange City, which I thought, well, that's going to write itself. And uh, it kind of did. And after I wrote the song, I was like, oh, every time I sing this song, I'm just going to change the name from Strange City to whatever the city is that I'm playing, like Boston or shit, Villa, or, you know, fuck face Indiana or whatever the fuck towns are called that I go play. And I tried it. I think I did it in Dallas. And then I was like, oh, this is stupid. And then I haven't been doing it. And I'll probably never play this song again. I don't know. But I kind of like this song. Let's listen to it and see if that's actually true. All right, here it is. It's called Strange City. And it goes like this. Hey, Strange City, how you doing? It's been some time since last we met. And there might be a thing or two since then We might both want to forget It's strange city, how's it going? I like what you've done with your hair Is that something new you're wearing? You're as shiny as Fred Astaire Pull me out of my struggle it's hard sometimes, you see, but it's really the 
no small measure by your kind sweet That's definitely a song that would be a big hit at the um, Hobbit Shire in the Lord of the Rings. Like, if they had, like, a radio station for Hobbits, they'd be like, that would be one of the all-time big songs. You'd just, like, every tiny Hobbit house that you would go by, that would be playing on the radio. Be like, oh, what are you, what are you, what are you listening to, Frodo Baggins? I'm listening to Strange City by B. Schneid. I like this song. What's it about? Frodo Baggins? Oh, it's about going to a strange city. I'd never do it. I like it here. It's nice in the Shire. Dude, did you... Did you just for a moment while you were listening to me go, oh, fuck. What happened? I was listening to Bob Schneider's Song Club. Now I'm listening to some part of the Lord of the Rings that I don't even remember, but it's almost as good as any part I ever remember. What? Like in your brain's like, oh, what? Where am I? Because that's how good, I feel like that's how good my impression of Hobbits were. I don't know. Maybe your brain was like, maybe hobbits are real. I know for a minute I thought hobbits were real. And then I was like, well, oh, it's me. I'm doing the voices. Dude, that's how fucked up that was for me. I mean, you were listening to it, so it's understandable. But me, I was like, where, where am I? What is going on? What is reality? Who am I? Where am I? What am I? And for a second, I didn't know. I was lost in in perfection. The perfection of being a hobbit. Not just one, but multiple hobbits having a conversation. But then, all of a sudden, I was like, oh, no, I'm back in the song club. I'm Bob Schneider. A lot of people call me Bob Schneider. By Biblio, Biblio, Schnidblio. Some folks, some folks use, you know, different terms for the Schnitty. I was uh, playing the birch mirror, and a man came in and said, "Hey, how do you want to be introduced?" And I'm like, "Just say, be Schnitties in the house." And they, he thought that was funny. He's like, are you serious? And I'm like, uh, no. That's a joke. But it was a good one, I guess, because he laughed a little bit. Then he told me about being a crack salesman in Washington, D.C. in the 80s and 90s. It was a fascinating story. And, uh, made even more fascinating because earlier in the day while we were driving to get to the Birchmere we had made a wrong turn or an early turn and we ended up in the bad streets of Baltimore where the wire was filmed which is an interesting journey as well 
Now, I don't know if you've been in the D.C. area, but if you fuck up a turn in D.C., you might basically be starting a new life. You're like, oh, I've got a wife and four children and a job, but I just made a wrong, I just turned too early on this highway, and good luck. It'll be years before you finally get back on track again. The fucking roads in that part of the country were created by the same person that created the metaverse in Doctor Strange. It's like, what the fuck? Like, start over. Like, I get it. Maybe those roads were created when they just had horses and maybe an ox. And they're like, well, that's all we've got, so... Just make the road go wherever the fuck you want. But when they finally, like, came up with cars, when they invented cars, start over. Like, grid it up. Like New York City. Avenues and streets, baby. Make it easy. Oh, I'm going here? What's the avenue? What's the street? Boom. Done. Here, I felt like I was in goddamn Fat Albert's Afro. I mean, it was fucked up, dude. Those streets are rough, biz. They're, uh, anyways, and Google Maps didn't do anything to help me. Like, I, I kind of wish Google, Google Maps would have been a little chiller. Maybe if I hadn't muted the audio. I don't know. All right, let's get to the next song. So, all these next songs are old songs. I don't even know when they were written. This first one is called Lovely. This has got to be from the early aughts. So this is probably pre-2005. And I talk about Jackson Pollock in this song. The thing that you'll notice about a lot of these songs is I've gotten better at recording these songs. So these demos are a little... They got, they got a little bit more of that age to them. Anyways, let's check it out. This one's called Lovely, and uh, see how it sounds. Man, we're just... I'm, like, cranking these songs, which, which is kind of cool. If, if you're in a car and you don't want your speakers blown. Jackson Pollock and a friend of mine Lived his life some other time But I saw him once while in a dream He looks so sad and so
I want to say that might have been one of the first songs I wrote in the song game. I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but so that would be like 2001, maybe even 2000. Kind of a nice song. I uh, I had this CD at the time. I can't think of the drummer's name. Some like Japanese guy. And it was a CD that just had these drum tracks. And I guess everybody was sampled. They were very popular at the time. At, you know, around that time that people were using those for really big songs uh, that were being produced at the time. And so I got my hands on it. And I, I'm pretty sure that's where that drum track came from. Um, that's when I was using Pro Tools to record with. And uh, I used Pro Tools for years and years and years. And people, at some point around 2000, maybe 10, they're like, man, you should learn Logic. It's such a better songwriting program. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get around to it. And I tried a couple times. I'm like, oh, this is too complicated. It's too complicated. But then at some point, I just made myself learn it, which is what I got to do sometimes. I just got to make myself do it. And uh, I learned Logic probably six or seven years ago now. And, uh, man, once I got into Logic, I was like, wow, I can't believe I fucking used Pro Tools all those years. It's like a person who's like maybe a closeted homosexual. And uh, for years and years, they like, I don't know. People are like, oh, you should try some of this dick over here. And you're like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm Christian or I don't know. And then you try that dick and you're like, oh, shit. Unlimited. It's unlimited amount of dick over here. Anyways, that's, I guess, what logic is. If you're going to go metaphorically, it's that unlimited amount of dick that's available. Um, unlike Pro Tools, which is, you know, limited amount of vag. Unless you're Jared Leto. Unless you're fucking Tony Hawk in 1991 or 99. Actually, 99. 2000, I think, is when Tony Hawk was probably getting the most... Uh, vaginal rejuvenitae. I think that's the correct medical term for a preponderance of poontang. What seems to be the problem, Mr. Hawk? Well, I'm suffering from a preponderance of poontang. And I'm also in marriages, so it's kind of fucking up my marriages. Oh, well, maybe maybe we suggest rehab. Yep, okay. Guess who went to rehab? Kind of like your boy, Bishnitz. Sometimes it's Sometimes you gotta need a little outside influence to figure it out. Figure out how to be in a relationship. Sometimes you can't figure that out on your own. Anyways, it seems like he uh, figured it out. He's got a bunch of kids. He seems like a nice guy. But ultimately, I don't know. 
I don't know. Ultimately, he's a skateboarder. And, uh, you know, that's cool. He's, you know, is he the best of all time? Maybe. So there's something cool about that. There's something, you know, that made me want to watch that video. It really, the whole time I was watching, I was like, ah, I want to go, I want to play Tony Hawk, which I have on my PlayStation. And then I got sleepy and I didn't play it, but who knows, maybe I'll play it today. I really love that game, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. One, two, three, and four. And then it got real bad. They decided to change it for some reason. And then it started getting bad. And then I don't even know if they make it anymore. But for a while, man, that was the hot video. When it would come out, you'd just go get it. And they just released one and two. I don't know, a year ago for like four and five PlayStation four and five. So if you like that game, it's available now. If you still have a, if you're still playing video games at, uh, in your late thirties, like myself. All right, let's listen to another one. This next one's called Lucinda. Man, this is old. This is probably pre 2000. Cause I think it sounds like it was done on a, on a uh, cassette to me. For a while, I was recording on a four-track and then an eight-track cassette player. Where you, you know, you'd use your old TDKs and put them in there and do everything uh, analog. No digital editing involved. And I used to, I, I had this Insonic keyboard, which would let me sample stuff. But it was, uh, you know, I'd have to program it in the keyboard. Anyways, I think that's what this is. It's the Insonic. It's got samples in it that kind of repeat, and then me singing this kind of plaintive, sad song called Lucinda. And maybe it's loosely based on Tony Hawk. Let's listen and find out. Just a single 
Yep, there you have it, Lucinda. Pretty cool. Pretty cool little jam. I mean, I uh, I was enjoying that. And um, I hadn't listened to it in a minute. I thought it'd be an interesting song to include in the song club. And uh, it was. I There's this thing when you write music, especially when you've just written it, there's sort of a, a love thing that you have for it because it's brand new. And again, it's like having a little baby or something because it's new in the world and you haven't heard it. You kind of really are enamored with it because you made it. And uh, there's something about human beings when we make something, we like it. It makes us feel important or whatever. So there's a moment where you're kind of in love with the song, but then you write the next song and similar to having a child maybe you are more fascinated with the newer song and less fascinated with the uh, older song and in fact sometimes you tire of it and then you you know believe me if you had 2,000 babies you're not going to like all the babies as much as the new baby is the one you're going to like so uh, but then like anything, if you if you get away from something for a minute and then you listen to it, you're like, oh, that's that's pretty good. I like that. I have to say, kind of when I was in my early, I mean, my, I'm in my late thirties. When I say late thirties, I mean the fire's out. But not only is the fire out, but the the uh, place where the fire where the campsite was that's paved over, and there's an office complex there. Um. What was I saying? I was talking about something. Who knows? Oh. I was going to say something about being in my early 30s. But who cares? It doesn't. Again, it doesn't really matter too much. Because we're getting, we're getting down there. We're getting down to the end of the song club, and we still got three songs to talk about. Um, this next song is called Maud. This is another super old one. And... Uh, I wrote this song and then I I, I don't know if I, I must have been on the road with David Boyle. He was in my band around 2000, 2001. He he was the keyboard player in Scabs, but then he was also in the Bob Schneider band for a while. And he also he's played on most of the records that I've put out. He played on Lovely Creatures. He played on the newest one, uh, In a Room Full of Blood. He played on King Kong. No. That's the one he didn't play on. But he's played on every other record besides maybe King Kong. Great, great, great keyboard player and a wonderful guy. And and we were on the road together and I wrote this song. Again, it was probably back when I was using 4-track, but maybe I was using... Maybe I was using Pro Tools. I don't know. But I asked him if he would put some keyboards on this track and I think he yeah he must have taken it home and done it at home and then sent it to me um, after he recorded it and it just the, the choices he made were so good and he's just I really think that's what makes great Musicians, because any again, anybody can learn how to play piano, anybody can learn how to play guitar or something. But then, 
it's just some people, their musical aesthetic is, if it's, like, it's very, his is similar to mine. I don't know if it's because we're the same age. But whatever, he, the choices he makes are the choices that I would make if I played keyboards. Same with Conrad Kroon, the, the guy who plays drums on most of my records. Um, and all the guys that I work with. So anyways, let's check it out. This is Maud. Now again, when I sent him, this was pretty basic. And then he just added all this stuff that, like the kind of interesting um, Mellotron keyboard, like the flute thing that sounds like an old Beatles record. Anyways, he put all this stuff on there and it just made the song really so much better. All right, here it is. It's called Maud. Yeah, that string thing, that's all David Boyle. Cool. Like when he sent it back, I was like, oh, interesting. When's my song gonna start? Oh, there it is. There's me doing the Bob Schneider thing. Oh. Yeah, there's a lot. That's that's all David Boyle right there. Very cool stuff. And uh, again, just a, an extremely talented young man. And, uh, you know, that's a wonderful thing that I've been so just fortunate and blessed to be able to do over the years is, is make music with these guys who are just so incredible. Like, I'm okay. I'm pretty good at, like, writing songs. I'm pretty good at singing. I'm pretty good at figuring out stuff to do to make it sort of interesting for the audience. But these guys that I play with, Bruce Hughes, David Boyle, the Groovemind Horns, um, Adam Temple, he's the guitar player from the Scabs, Charles Reeser, the other guitar player from the Scabs, Dave Robinson, the drummer for the Scabs. Um, the guys, Dave Monzi, the he plays all the bass on all these records that I put out. Um, 
George Reith, who played bass on A Perfect Day, who's passed away. Um, just these amazing... Steve Bruton, who played all the guitar and banjo and on Lonely Land. Just these amazing guys They're, who are like my heroes. Like much more so than any sports heroes. These guys make magic with their instruments. They make real, true magic. Like, it's, it's not some trick. They're somehow able to create this beauty and unique stuff in the world that didn't exist. It's alchemy. They're alchemists. And I get to be a part of that. A, kind of a small part, really. Um, and, man, I feel so grateful and lucky to be able to be part of that and to be able to play with these guys. And, uh, You know, anyways, it's just nice. It's nice. I'm very, very blessed. I have a very blessed, wonderful life. And uh, part of that is you guys, the Patreon folks, and the people that are just listening to the Song Club podcast, maybe curious folk. Uh, if you do want to get these songs, you can go to patreon.com backslash Bob Schneider. And uh, not only will you get these songs from this month, but you'll get all the songs from all the song clubs. So 61 times 8. I think that's 4,500,000 5, songs that you can download and make part of your library. It's a pretty good deal. It's getting to the point now where I'm like, Jesus Christ. These songs are like Napster value at this point. Uh, let's go to the next song. It's called The Milkmaid of Wilmington, Delaware. I was in Wilmington, Delaware playing a show, probably with the Ugly Americans. Could have been the Scabs, but I think it was the Ugly Americans. So it would have been the late 90s. And for a while there, I was writing songs like in every city. I'd be in a city. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to write a song about the city. And so I wrote a song incorporating Wilmington, Delaware in the title. And it's called The Milkmaid of Wilmington, Delaware. Let's check it out. And see what we think about it. Oh, man, you could tell I'm, in, I'm interested in it because I've got a yawn going. Nice. This is definitely taped. On the well, they called her little Betty when she was just a tight. She had a couple little sisters, and they all looked alike. She'd sit beyond the bar, most nights the cool wind in her hair. The milkmaid of a Wilmington in sunny Delaware. Oh, that's me trying to do harmonies. She had no friends at all, they say she seldom said a word. And though she was quite beautiful, she was crazy, so I heard. They said she'd do most anything that others wouldn't dare. The milkmaid of a Wilmington in sunny Delaware. That one wasn't too bad. She grew to six foot five when she was only 12 years old. She could out-wrestle any boy, and so I have been told. She could lift an apple cart six feet up in the air. 
The milkman of a Wilmington in sunny Delaware. Oh, I like that one. That was a good. That was. I had a jump shot. There Tim grew as she grew old. I've heard the old folks say she'd eat four dozen eggs and twenty loaves of bread each day. And wash it down with no less than a keg of wine. They swear the milkman of a Wilmington in sunny Delaware. Man, I'm getting better at those every time. Now no man in the county would dare ask her for a hand. Till one day through the village there came a traveling band. That's the day I fell in love, the day I saw her standing there. The milkman of a Wilmington in sunny Delaware. Damn, I'm becoming like a professional background yeah. singer towards the end of that song. Yeah, that's the Milkmaid of Wilmington, Delaware. Uh, I will say this. I've noticed this just in the last month that I used to have, like, I spent a lot of time creating these stories. Like, that one's got a pretty sizable story arc. Songs like, uh, I don't know. I can't really think of another example, but lately they've just—I've just been getting simpler and simpler with my songwriting. I'm not sure if that's necessarily better, um, or if it's laziness, or if I just don't have the capacity to write these more complex songs that have a lot of lyrics or tell a much bigger story. Um, I almost feel like as I've gotten older, it's more like, well, how can I? describe a certain feeling and it's kind of like that's what I'm more interested in doing now is just like describing a feeling that I'm having versus telling a story but there's something to be said about these old songs where I'm telling a real story and uh that I find uh charming and uh it's nice because it also imparts you know, you, it definitely brings up feelings as well. But, I mean, I guess the combination of, like, a song like Changing Your Mind is one of my favorite songs that I've written. That one tells a story, but it also is really about this feeling of loss and also frustration and sadness and also just this sort of hopelessness that you're powerless over people and especially when you're powerless over people that you love it's uh it's hard and uh that's you know that song does it really well um the wilmington the milkmaid of wilmington uh, that's a fun song and it's a sweet song about being in love but it's also kind of a funny uh fantastical tale as well so anyways it's in uh it's interesting how, as you move through life, what is important changes. Um, I think when I wrote that song, what was important to me is making sure that people knew that I could write a decent song and uh, that I was clever. And now, I, you know, I still want people that think I'm a good songwriter or think I'm clever or whatever, but really everything is emotion-based when I'm writing. It's about how do I get to the feeling that I'm having. What's And it's the lyric usually that does it, but occasionally the music does it too. Um, it's a combo, obviously. It's, it's both. 
All right, let's finish it up with this song called Medical Career. This song's loosely based on my cousin. I have a cousin who's my age who became a, a doctor, an anesthesiologist, one of the smartest guys I've ever known. Uh, famously, and I don't even know if this is true anymore, but this is the story that I tell people. When he was in high school, he went to a pretty big high school, you know, a couple thousand kids. And just for fun, he decided to memorize all the students' name in his names in his high school, like maybe out of the yearbook or whatever, which is just crazy. I mean, I can't even remember the people I know, the f- 10 people that I know's names. I'm, half the time, I'm just saying, dude, or, yo, what up, man? But he memorized everybody's names, and then he could walk around school and knew everybody's name. That's the kind of person, that's the kind of brain he had. And uh, anyways, yeah, he became a doctor, and and of course everybody in the family was really proud of him because we're a bunch of fucking, you know, trash from Michigan. Most of us, a bunch of alcoholics and drunks, and, you know, I think my dad was the first person ever went to college, and my mom, I guess she went to college too, but most of the Schneiders and Moores, my mom's family, didn't amount to much, really. And, uh... But Tom, you know, became became an, uh, a really successful doctor, anesthesiologist, started a, a sort of a plastic surgery sort of place, but not plastic surgery, but uh, like everything, like Botox and microdermabrasion and all that kind of crap. And, you know, made a lot of money and was very successful. And so that's what this song's about. It's about that. Uh, going into the medical career, which, you know, if you, I don't know, if your like, if your kid became a doctor, that was like success for a lot of people. I don't know if, if my son decided to become a doctor, be like, oh, really? Is that what you want to do? Why not do something more fun? You know, but people, I mean, I guess some people become doctors because they want to help people. I think a lot of people just become doctors because it's a way to make a lot of money. And it's easy because it's just, you just, learn some shit that you know just learn it and then you get to make money so for some people that's something to do with their lives i can't think of anything worse than just learning something that's already known and making money it's an empty horrible life i want to go into the woods and create a create my own trail. Anyways, that's what I'm doing. That's where we're at. We're at the song club. We're, in, we're on this trail. I'm hacking through the bush, and you guys are right here with me, and I, and I appreciate it, and I'm glad to have spent another hour or so with you guys. And uh, I hope you have a wonderful month, and we'll see you next time. In the meantime, let's check out this song, Medical Career, and we'll get out of here with this. All right, take care. Pumping sweats this morning king till the bells to shed their tears. It's the day that everyone's been waiting on for years. The son of hell, the blacksmith, with his heart that holds no fear. We're trading on his wild days with a medical career. No more drinking in South Austin boats till close on Tommy's night. No more courting married ladies with their smiles and sweet delight. No more lazy days and endless nights and lost in lonely years. He's traded on his wild days 